Yo, Doug. What's up, Peter? As I was up very early. It's up. What's up? <laughs> Were you up early because you wanted to be up early? Yeah, it was intentional, actually. I wanted to um, try something new. <laughs> oh. I was listening to the Jocko Putt. No, just kidding. I um, <laughs> I got up at 4.30 this morning. Ouch. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, I uh, jumped on my bike and uh, rode it to the office. And uh, it was pretty awesome. I thought it would be hard or something or be too tired. Yeah. But the reality is I've been up at 4.30 anyways for like the past <laughs> month. Um, so just escaping like that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I used to remember, I, I remember those days. You just wait, you, you know, 4.30 and then you're like, I wonder when they'll sleep in until 5.30. And then you're like, I wonder if it'll ever be 6.30. And then it's like years go by until it's after, at least for my kids, years had to go by before it was after seven. So, yeah. Well, but if felt like such a big life hack, actually, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again tomorrow. I think. Yeah. Like, I I arrived at the office at five twenty minutes past five, and I left at like ten thirty. So I got like a solid five hours, and I was yeah. home before lunch, and I just, you know, felt like I, I had the whole day and like I could spend the afternoon with my son and. Yep. Yeah. It, That's it, great. It worked. <laughs> and. um I'm not going to do it every day, but like a couple days a week, that's a pretty good setup. And part of the reason I did it was I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to get into the office and have some focus time, but I don't want to be around too many people for too long. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of people in the office at five in the morning. Um, That's nice. Yeah. So it's like an hour overlap from like when everyone starts like coming in at like nine or something. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I'll like, you know, sneak out. And uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. cool. I uh, felt like superhuman <laughs> a little bit. Mm. And uh, yeah. Uh, Good for you. Yeah. New new routines. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, my routine, <laughs> my early morning routine, which is off right now, uh, but the getting up at five uh, to work was a routine I picked up when our kids were really little and I kept it for a very long time. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was yeah. For, for that exact reason. It was like, my brain generally doesn't work very well in the afternoons anyway, not as well as in no, the morning either. And so I'm like, my best thoughts are going to happen between five and 11 AM anyway. So if yeah. I work, if I work that stretch, I mean, a lot of times in those five or six hours, I would have breakthroughs and, and I'd be able to deliver on stuff that would, I mean, what's the a six hour day that's hyper productive versus an eight hour. I mean, it's just, it's <laughs> yeah. Like four, if I get four or five hours of like focused time every day, like I'm pretty happy. Yep. Cause like I work th- scattered, like throughout the rest of the day anyways. Yeah, I'm a exactly. Founder. Like I yep. email all the time. I like DM people on Twitter and like, yeah. you know, I'm online all the time. Yeah. So like, you know, there's not really eight hours necessarily. Yeah. On top of like all the other stuff you do, and then in total, just yeah. be 16 hours anyway. So, like, yep, yep. But if you can get that deep work in for, you know, three, four, five, six hours, then the rest of the day is just email and filler anyway. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, um, updates. I got a few. Um, okay. So I can start if you want. Sounds good. I, um, 
I'm really excited, actually. Yeah. Like, hard to contain myself <laughs> level of excitement and That's like so hard not to like tell my five week son about like <laughs> how excited <laughs> I am for this product right now. And he doesn't care. He just <laughs> sticks his tongue out. Um, but so basically the thing that's kind of like happening right now is I'm realizing that branch is not only a deployment tool. And I, I, I teased this on Twitter as well the other day, but with some of the stuff we've, we've built with the, the host project that I've been talking about a week after week here. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, like now we have this, you know, pro programmable <laughs> flow of onboarding steps when you connect to a hosting provider. Um, and they can be, as I said last time, literally anything. Like it could be, you know, we do an API request and fetch something from the host's API, present it to you, you click, uh, go to the next step. Or it could just be like an information screen. It could be literally anything. Um, and then something occurred to me <laughs> like a week ago um, where basically I realized if the host have an API and we have this onboarding flow and we can just do a custom onboarding flow for each host, like we can, we can provision that host for you as well. Like if you're creating a new project on branch and that you don't necessarily have a site created on the host already, like we can just add a step that's like, Hey, is this a new project or an existing project? And if it's a new project, we can just like say, okay, should we create the site on the host? Like what should be the name of the site? Um, which when I realized that I was like, Ooh, this feels really big. <laughs> and yeah, it, like that was like the first level of like, Whoa, this is big. Like I didn't, like, we didn't realize this when we built this, that like how, how yeah. useful that's actually is. Yeah. So actually, let me, I want to ask a question. Like if you think about a developer's workflow and like, let's just simplify it in like the platonic sense of like A, B, C, D, right? These are the steps they need to go through. You, there was a weakness at step C, let's call it. And you kind of got into the flow there with the agency customers you have now you're, you're in there. But is it fair to say that a and B in this example and D were still happening outside of branch, which you describe it as being already more comprehensive than that or, or what? Yeah. And like with this part, like the provisioning part, there's a very, there's a much higher chance that people are doing it manually now. Cause there's not really like a suite of tools that do this for you. Okay. Um, so it's really more like, like they so were the... doing A and B then they would, <laughs> there's no such thing as offline, but then they would manually do C through a bunch of, combinations of things right yeah like they would manually go into the host and like create a new site and then Mm -hmm. they would have to go into branch and set up that same project so like you have to go into different tools to like create a new project right um this was like step one i realized Mm -hmm. this is like this is already big like you know you don't even have to log into the host now like the host is just kind of like it's almost like it's abstracted away a bit (laughs) um Mm -hmm. the weird thing is that it almost like becomes a marketplace in a sense because it's like when you're inside of branch like like you and you want to create a new project from scratch like in theory like you can just pick which host you want and like obviously mm-hmm. like most people have a host already where they have a relationship and that's the one they're going to use mm-hmm. um but as it is right now like they also see all the other hosts that are, are available mm. um so it's that's just really cool 
dynamic there. Yeah. So, so in that sense, you're, you're moving back in that workflow to let's say a, right. And yeah. you're saying you can kind of start here. Right. Yeah. And like, this is yeah. where we work. This is where we create new projects. Mm-hmm. This is where our projects run. This is where we keep tap on them. Hmm. And so, so sorry, like I'm digging into this cause like I'm, I'm comparing it to my world. So I code in for me, sublime, um, commit things, you know, through the command line, et cetera, et cetera. When I go to deploy or do, you know, things of that nature, I'm personally in Heroku because that's where I install my plugins and manage the servers and spin up things and, and do all this work. In some sense, it, people set up is you, you could get to the point where people are coding in their, obviously their ID in their environment, but like when it comes to provisioning and deployment and the things you're talking about branch is kind of their it's kind of their tool it's kind of the the, the front end to all these external facing yeah things. and 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 heroku is that as well right right but it's like so in a sense you could say that like branch um basically provides a more heroku like experience for mm-hmm. other platforms as well right mm-hmm and so we aren't necessarily the platform. We we build on top of other tools and string them together. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but we aren't the underlying platform necessarily. Right. Um, which is which is fine. In some sense, you're removing a bunch of cost and, and infrastructure. Yeah. And like basically, the part we don't do is like the part that I kind of starting to believe is a commodity in many ways like what's really the difference it's just servers <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's not true because there's a lot to hosting on top of that and um, that people are competing on but mm-hmm. like if we offered servers as well like i don't know what necessarily would differentiate us um but yeah, then what I realized is, is like it doesn't stop here. Like once we do that, like the way you create a new project on branch is you connect it to a Git repository. And then I just realized like, what if you didn't do that? Like what if you didn't even have a Git repository yet? Like what if you're literally starting from scratch on a project and you're like, I want to create a new web, a WordPress website for a client. And like, like they're, that's what they're telling branch. And then branch is like, okay, cool. Let me, you know, create a new Git repository and put WordPress in it. Let me create a new site on your host, preferred host. Let me uh, pull in that Git repository into your built pipeline and run your first, you know, built and deployment. So your site is now deployed. Um, Want me to do that for the staging side as well or the development side? Sure. So like, you know, now it's like really starting to become like end to end. And then... The, the thing that's really cool about that thing is it's like, you know, the, if we get to basically decide what we put in the Git repository, like we could have like a whole templates marketplace. Like, you know, I want to create a WordPress website and I want the backend to be with a bedrock framework and I want the front end to be view and tailwind and I want to, you know, deploy it, blah, blah, blah. And we just, you know, provision that we create the Git repository you know, we configure it like it's supposed to be configured, maybe even like the way it's supposed to be configured for the host you're on. And, you know, it's just like, you know, before, like 
all the steps you had to go through, like go to GitHub, like create a Git repository, like pull in like some project locally and like try to push it back to the Git repository, then like connect it to branch and then go into your hosting account, like create a site and like make sure that that's connected to branch and like run a deployment and hope it all works. And like, it's just insane how much we actually can do with this workflow. And mm. like, we and almost, we almost have this now, like we have the, the, the functionality to do this. Like we yeah. just need to implement it. That's, that's amazing. You know, it, it there's no, there are these things in life where there's no upside. There's no, I want to say value add. There's no differentiation. There's no upside. It's sort of like the best that you can do is to not screw it up, right? Yeah. And, and, and you're automating all that. So in that sense, you're you're taking away the risk of messing it up. Yeah. And you're automating the work that nobody really thinks of as value add or special it's like it's just tedium right yeah it's like no one says like oh, oh you yeah should really hire jane you should hire jane she's like the best like she can set up a new wordpress project <laughs> in 12 minutes like yeah. she just like clones to get past her like her internet is super Ooh, fast and yeah. she's just so good like no one else can exactly do it like that. how to clone that get repository she's so like yeah, that's not yeah. nobody says that's no because right, it's right. just like something all of us has to do that makes yeah. no that has no value like so a completely it. different completely different space the example that comes to mind this stuck out to me when i was reading the book was it called happiness it was the uh, founder of zappos and I'll, I'll look at the name but it was basically saying you know wh wh people kept thinking oh you're ordering shoes online you're ordering shoes online what's the big deal and it's like once you realize that the tedium involved in getting shoes, like all the value is in trying the shoes on and then like sending them back. And so they basically took the work of getting your, getting your kids ready, getting in the car, going to the mall, going to the shoe store, sitting down, waiting for the person to tell you, you tell them what size you need, put them on like this giant tedious process, this workflow. And I was like, actually, we'll just ship. You just pick the size and we'll just ship them to your door. And then you just returns the one that don't fit. And like for the stores, that's obviously very, it's not what they want, right? Because they want you to see their brand, to come into their store, to sit down, to talk to an associate and all this stuff. But for the average person, which is to say almost everybody, there was no benefit or value in doing that work. It was only catering to the shoe store. It wasn't catering to the customer. And so like in this sense, you're catering to the customer by eliminating all of the work that they don't want to have to do like they, they don't want to go through there's no benefit yeah, it's not only that they don't want to do it it's like usually like my experience is like at every agency or like every and i like now i want to start talking about like not only agencies because like why is this only interesting to agencies like <laughs> in, like this yeah. is when like branch starts to become interesting to every developer honestly and and then it's a big market but what i like the thing is like my experience is just like at every workplace every developer team there's only one person that really knows how this works and they just set up the project and like no one else wants to touch it mm. but this gives everyone the ability to like do this stuff because it's kind of like formalized in branch how they do it and they can add their own processes if they want right as well mm -hmm. eventually so like the next step like or the next level of like stuff i realized was that you know Imagine when Branch has a command line tool 
or when we have extensions for some like for example there's a local development tool for for wordpress called um local <laughs> and you can build extensions for that like it, it, imagine we have extensions for that and this workflow just is something like you're about to start a new project locally and then not only did you start it locally like you also got the git repository configured you got the framework itself configured with WordPress. You got the hosting set up. You got the built pipeline, the, the CI stuff set up. Everything just set up and you have the project, you know, running locally. Like that's a crazy uh, developer experience you have. Love it. It's Love so it. different from how the world is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I... it's not like, it's not, it's not like, okay, we need to raise $10 million to like go out and build this. It's like we accidentally, you know, went into the lab for like two months and worked on something to like solve a smaller problem, but I accidentally like built like a really powerful solution that we can use to like build something really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to give you guys a little bit more credit, I do think, which is easy since I'm a, a you know, a, a small investor in, in branch, very proud of you guys, but like, uh, so it sounds self-serving, but like <laughs> you guys obviously chose the right levels of abstraction, I think, for the solution yeah. that you've built. And I think that sets you up for this sort of compounding success in a way that if you hadn't chose the right abstractions or data models, this would be a much heavier lift. Like, you know, if you were writing complex code on complex code at this point, this might be daunting, right? Whereas... yeah. I think you chose the right pieces, right, to work with. Is, is would you, yeah, say that's true? Or? Yeah, I would agree. Like the the way I think about it now is like so the, some of the stuff from provisioning. Like I'm curious to you know build a prototype around that. And what I realized is I can actually, even though I'm not really actively developing on branch right now, like I on top of what Bjorn built for this, like I can use the building blocks that he's built to put together a prototype for this without you know without hmm. doing a lot of like you know underlying logical work like i could just implement like a simple prototype with the building block blocks you know <laughs> that he's made available right so it's like That's awesome it is like its own little framework or yeah it's just really yeah. exciting and it's like it's the kind of thing where it's like now like I want to pause everything else. Like I, I'm, we'll still work on the podcast, and like we have some stuff going on. But like I kind of just don't want to do anything besides like working on this because I realize like this is like at least since like we realized we could have built recipes, like this is at least as big, if not bigger. And mm. like it's bigger because it opens up the market for us as well. Um, but like the 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 thing is like every like customer demo or pitch or partnership meeting or whatever like everything i kind of just want to like postpone it because i'm like i could show it to you now and you'd be like oh that's cool oh that's really helpful oh that's useful or i could like you know i explained this to a hosting uh, company the other day and like mm. his reaction was like whoa huh mm. whoa yeah huh. <laughs> hmm. like he didn't even know what to say like he was like blown away about this honestly yeah and this like i want everyone to have that experience but i'm like i don't have it yet like i just like it's hard for me to like 
think about anything else right now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was saying this before the call. It's funny how you and Bjorn, it's not like you... It's just... it. There's something to it where you didn't even know that this was going to be a thing that you were going to do, right? Yeah. You 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 stumbled into it in, in more like, and this is why I think coding and engineering like it, it's not just a, a really smart uh, person uh, once said like systems are the product of people that, that the people that make them, not mm-hmm. just the sort of the the, the the lines in the script, and it's a much more. Uh, you know the metaphor is much more like a production of a play than than just like a math test like how the lines are read how people contribute like there's something special there and it's almost like you guys went into the you call it the lab it's also like you went into the recording studio in a way and like you came out with like something amazing that you weren't planning on and like Dude, it i don't know like, it just what, it's just really cool how that's true but we so always here use we are the in metaphor this field of the, that's supposed to be very technical, right? Yeah. We always use the metaphor of the base camp hill chart now. Like and that's basically what I said last time. It's like I told Bjorn, like, if you need more time, take more time because I my gut feeling tells me this is really important and we'll find interesting things, like if we just keep digging here. And that's mm. what we did. And like but it's like when we got to the top of that hill chart, like when we climbed that hill, we just when we got up there, we were like, whoa, this is insane. <laughs> and like you just want to just like you have to get down the other side. Right. And that's like now you kind of know what needs to be done. Like that's where we are now. Like we know how to implement yeah. this. Like we have the basic building blocks. We know how to like there's nothing technical challenging about what we're going to do now. Like we're it's- just going to use straightforward thing we came up with and so Mm. it's just like you just want to like run out like down that hill and you're just like yeah (laughs) i I can see the opening scene of the sound of music you know there's julie andrews (laughs) at the top of the hill (laughs) it's like what comes to mind but it yeah maybe that you know the giving yourself permission to go to the top of that hill and look out from there as opposed to grinding out these little things where you don't really i mean that's that's kind of I mean, that's going into the recording studio or that's the design phase, right? That's the thinking this through at a deeper level phase. Like if I, if this, if the way this project had worked was that I had come up with a spec about Mm. what Bjorn has had to do, like, you know, step by step, just do this, just fix this, like in the fastest way, because we're, we're on a budget, right? Yeah. You know, branch would maybe have been 10% better. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, 10 times better if you ask me yeah 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 so, so somebody said what are you going to do with your second startup that you did do for your first they flipped that question around on me instead of like hey i know the lessons what are you not going to do the thing i said I, w- I wanted to keep doing is i called it muse m-u-s-e led development and design and it's just a way of trying to capture in a tweet like following that whatever it is right i call it muse but like following that so that you can find these outlier answers or these wild answers, I think is like, it's what you only get when you have some margin to play with. Like you have the time, you give yourself the time, but man, it really is amazing how it is. Like we're standing close to it. Maybe, maybe a lot of times we're actually not far from it. 
no. but we just don't give ourselves the hour or two or three to find yeah. it. You know, it's not like it has to take a week. You know, no. But it's like I don't know. I just want to like fundamentally believe that like when your instinct tells you that you can make a jump like this one on your product Mm. or like like 10x your product or even just like 2x your product like if if your instinct tells you that like there's something you can do that can like dramatically improve your product i just want to fundamentally believe that that's almost always worth it because you just you take it to a new level and like you can always like i feel like you can always stop like you can always like you know get off the train and just start like you know decide okay this is where we are and now we're just going to try to get customers and do marketing for this thing mm-hmm. and we're going to turn it into a business and that's fine but it's i just feel like and that's what we talked about last or two episodes ago about like what like it's product market fit is hard but uh, monetizing or monetization is easy once you have product market fit so it's like if there's something that could just like dramatically improve your product and you do that like down the line like your life will probably be easier and the business will probably be better let me ask you this like like, you have to stop at some point or not necessarily stop but like you have to like start cashing in or whatever but like there are Mm -hmm. many ways to cash in it was where uh which customers were asking you for this (laughs) i like this question um yeah, like no one, right? Like, you, I thought you were custom- custom- like, not listening to your customers. <laughs> well, there is one like re- kind of like related thing to that. That's a tongue in cheek question, I'm, obviously. It, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's I. It's. I mean, I think we agree on this. Like, <laughs> you know, like you yeah. don't make like these drastically large imp- or like dramatic improvements by like asking your customers. Yep. Um, yeah. Obviously, you need to learn from them. Um, mm-hmm. but um one of the things like with branch is you know in the beginning we were a ci tool so how are we different from other ci tools and obviously we had the thing where we were the wordpress thing that helps um but still like they're still comparing you to ci like they're comparing you to ci tools that charge by the minute and or mm. free on like for like most use cases you know you just like sign up for something and it's just free and you don't even think about it then we became a deployment tool with ci like underneath the hood and that that made it easier to tell the story but then people were like okay but what about like deploy bot or what about deploy hq and like i can tell them why we're different because those tools aren't like they don't they they don't have like a fully featured CI platform under the hood like we do. Mm. Um, but like from a customer point of view, like I can see why we're similar. But then again, like we have the WordPress spin and like we integrate with the hosting companies and stuff. So that's like, obviously that's different. Um, mm. But now like with this stuff, it's like, like it's just so easy for me to explain why we're different because there's no one else doing this. Like yeah, yeah, so what 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 we're is that? What is HQ, that? But we're also your hosting interface, and we're also your like your the way you set up projects locally, and we're also like the stuff mm. you do in GitHub. Like we, you know, yeah. And when people like when we've built this and people try it, like I'm just confident that they'll just be 
blown away <laughs> about like the experience they get. They're not going to want to go back to the other way of doing it. Oh, I miss yeah. doing this manually. Yeah, I just I, like, hey, no, nobody says that. Yeah, I miss driving to the no, mall with I my actually, kids to try and shoot. <laughs> I've yeah. heard this described as a really big pain for someone at a hosting company. Like their customers are confused about like all the different tools they have to string together and like in which direction, in which order they have to do things and like where they need to go. And like, there's just so many pieces mm. um, and there's no, no one really like, but basically branch is like, it, like aggregating or like, you know, stringing together all these different tools and like becoming this like interface to like all your different workflows. Mm. And I'm just so glad that the name is branch and not like WP deployment tool, whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, push wp pusher or something silly like whatever that. yeah yeah stupid, <laughs> like that. stupid name um, yeah yeah so come on man to say the least it is cool very exciting i have a few more updates if we got time uh sure <laughs> i mean but it's <laughs> you're like you're like so I, you know, have a clear view of running six <laughs> kingdoms. Um, there's a couple other things going on I should probably talk about. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, we are working with a new partner, uh, which is really exciting. Um, I'm not going to say the name until we're live. Well, we are semi-live, so people can probably figure out if they're really curious. Um but yeah, it's a it's a hosting company that has a lot of experience with doing deals. Um, so I'm kind of tempted to run a deal with them, and just like they they have a way like they have ways to promote Branch to their customers in like a non public fashion. And so I'm kind of like curious. Like I thought like maybe this is an op- first of all like this is an opportunity to run a deal and like maybe cash in a little bit <laughs> if it works out. And the other thing is like it maybe was an opportunity to experiment with some pricing stuff. Like even though that's like obviously not top of mind right now, but it was, you know, it would just be interesting to see like what happens if we if we tried a different price or like you know on this on this you know audience. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking about that. Um, related to the partnership stuff, um, I had an idea yesterday that I I want to hear your thoughts on. Yeah. You know, I do investor updates monthly. Um and I we have more like we have a few partnerships where we talk regularly with the partners, but some of them kind of like slip sometimes. Um and I I think it's really valuable to like keep in touch. Um and I think the partners also have an incentive to like know what's going on with branch and yeah, the more they hear about us, like the more likely they are to remember that we exist and you know, you know, tell our their customers about Branch. So I thought about like maybe I need to do monthly partnership updates as well or mm. partner updates. Mm-hmm. So like you know, I already do like investor updates and I share like you know what's going on with the product and some of the plans. So obviously it's not a one to one with what you want to tell a partner, um, but there are there is an overlap and you know the partners are different but like they want to know about the same features um i feel like i could have a template and then like have like you know the branch product stuff would be the same for all of them and then there would be maybe like a section that's like something that's relevant to if something happened for their specific platform and then maybe like and this is because i like 
I think you probably think this is a good idea. But the the thing I was going to ask you about is, would it be like, should I include the metrics maybe as well um, about like how much usage we get for, you know, from people on their platform? And with some of them, it's really little. So like maybe it'll be discouraging. But then at the same time, like are thinking like, maybe it could also be motivating for them to be like, okay, let's do th- something here. Like he actually cares about this enough to send an update. So like something's not working. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's in, it's interesting. I think with the, including the metrics, you're obviously biting off more work. The only drawback I can see is that you're committing to work. Once people get metrics, they may want to keep getting them, you know, and, and, and not providing them is hard to do. You can't take that. A, it's a one-way street in that sense, a one-way, you know, one-way function. <laughs> uh, so I maybe could code quarterly, my way out of that. Though. You could, or you could do quarterly metrics, but monthly updates, you know, maybe yeah. oh, that's a little a good bit one, yeah. less work to do, you know, which sets you yeah. up for like a quarter, quarterly partner meetings, quarterly business reviews, QBRs is a thing. You could always... um dovetail those into that the big ones obviously yeah so it'd be nice like we could include a scheduling link or something like that like Mm -hmm. when we send out the quarterly one yeah exactly so yeah you might want to just start with quarterly i mean that way you're only committing to doing one over the next six months if you want to look at it that way (laughs) right in the middle and like that's a lot of time to learn a lot of stuff but you're doing it you know um so that's one option i mean of course q three is uh just ended so you could also try to shoot the monthly something one up. like if it's just product updates and i'm already doing that for investors like it wouldn't be too hard to like write like half right. a page or a page for the partners as well and it just feels yeah. like like that would i feel like that would make branch stand out like i don't feel like that's like a thing that most people do mm-hmm. uh, the thing yeah okay so the the thing I would think about is who within the partner is your audience. Now that we've had this sort of thought around quarterly metrics and business review, that's one thing. Maybe this is more marketing focused about here's the latest and greatest features that are out. Here's how those benefit customers like your customers. And it could be a little bit more of a marketing oriented partnership update as opposed to a yeah how are we doing right which yeah. is which is different yeah so you're yeah, like yeah you're stoking the fire yeah exactly and with most like as especially lately like i think i've been i've gotten better at like getting the right people on like the email threats so like making sure that there's like a business person a technical person and potentially like someone who can you know do marketing stuff as well um so like I basically know like who I would send this to. And then I think like an update, just like an investor update would also be like a nice opportunity to, you know, throw in an ask once in a while. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think, I think basically just tell them like, this is how you can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. It's good. I yeah. think if you just know your audience for the message, then, you know, right. you can choose your cadence and content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. And then 
finally like i'm working on the podcast the new podcast billable hours mm-hmm. doing a bunch of recordings this week yeah um i was just on twitter today like trying to find someone who can help edit it i think well if i am talking to a few people so i'm pretty sure i'll find like the right person to do that mm-hmm. um in the beginning like i actually just thought i'm just gonna edit it myself and i'm just gonna do the marketing as well myself because you know runway but also just um because it's not a recurring task it's like something i'm doing for 10 podcast episodes it just i was afraid that i'm gonna spend too much time like trying to figure out how to outsource it um Mm. but then like (laughs) over the weekend like the more I thought about the stuff we're doing around provisioning and hosts and stuff like that, I'm like, there's no way it makes sense for me to like edit the podcast when I can spend my time on this stuff. So made it really clear to me that like, you know, I'm really busy these days. Like, you know, I go into the office at five in the morning to try to squeeze in like four hours of focused work. And then like, I shouldn't, I should, you know, be really thoughtful about what I spend my time on and just focus on the, on the stuff that really, really moves the needle and editing a podcast is important, but it, yeah. it's not needle moving. <clears throat> yep. That ah, makes sense. Um, you got a lot going on, man. Doesn't seem like a guy. I do. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you sound like you're right back at full speed or more. Oh yeah. At least. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. it's real. Nice. Can yeah. Bring- Finally, I wanted to mention a podcast I listened to. Um, so it's an interview with Rahul from Superhuman. Okay. And so it's basically a new podcast by Patrick O'Shaughnessy from Invest Like It Best, mm-hmm. Invest Like The Best, where he interviews founders. So it's the same podcast feed. Um, but the first huh. episode is, is with Rahul. And it's honestly, it's one of the best um, interviews I've heard in like a long time. It's really good. It's really, really insightful. Um, and I think you especially would actually enjoy it. Um one cool. of the things I really enjoyed was he talked about um, game development. Yeah. And that's why, um, that's how they think about superhuman. And, you know, it, it, he talks about like the differences between, you know, building a product and building a game. And there are many differences, like the way you basically think about it. Um, but one of the things that was, I thought was really fascinating was that he said that they're intentionally, intentionally making it harder to use their product because they want like an expert mode or Mm. like a hard mode because it's a game and it's not fun if it's too easy so they want like they want you to they like the goal of the game of superhuman is to get you to inbox zero but they want you to like they don't want it to be too easy so there's like a hard mode where you do it with your keyboard only right with all the the shortcuts and Mm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. and it was just really interesting hearing like how he thought about that and many other things so like i really really recommend uh, listening to that podcast yeah no i would definitely uh i need to need to give that listen i I really enjoy patrick's interviews um anyway it's sharp yeah it's it's just like they're long form and they're deep and um yeah really holistic in terms of like how he thinks about investing so i always enjoy those i'll definitely definitely check that out yeah Sweet. so um so i took up a lot of time that's and, okay <laughs> but i also i had some big big bullets on my yeah. list here. yeah you did any any other giant successes for you in the last seven days that we should talk about <laughs> oh yeah there's one more huge no <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> I'm just going to... Well, hey, it's been a great show today. I'm just going to go uh, crawl back into the shadows here. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Love it. Good. Yeah. So, um, you want to... Um... Do you want to do you want to share some updates? No, no. <laughs> or did I? <laughs> nope, nope. Not anymore. There's no more time. We're running out of. Well, no, I just out of. Uh, I, sorry, no, no motivation now. I just we're um, running out of tape. I'm just gonna take my crayons and go to the other room. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a competition here, folks. It's not. It's not at all. No. Um, and no. I, I'm not sure I'm even winning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, like the reason I actually thought about the the podcast and mentioning it here is like I think it just related to Summit a lot, like the way you think about building Summit and yeah, some of the elements you kind of like build into your product. Yeah, yeah, no, it's cool. I appreciate it. Um, no, I do want to. I do want to share. I'm super. Uh, I'm more than happy for you to go over when you have amazing accomplishments. So that's really cool. Um, <laughs> it's great. Can't wait to watch Branch totally take over the developer world um as it already is so on my side i did write down a list so i can be efficient here um i we we got self-service invitations out so um letting people i was getting you know a few requests per week from people asking if i could invite a teammate of theirs and get them onto their account and it was always this kind of funny you know step of like yeah get them to sign up and then once they do you know, then I'll merge them into your account, etc. And rather than that, they can just uh, do it themselves, which is cool. Um, so that's exciting. And nice. Yeah, so that's shipped. Um, and also, you know, we're we're now resyncing metrics every 24 hours, and we are checking every 10 minutes to see if that 24-hour clock is up. And it's really smoothed out the load on our, you know, on our on our environment to be doing that. So that was like a new, Oh, and we're also only pulling in, you know, the last 24 hours worth of metrics in the case where there's an update to be done. So I'm just really happy with our just metrics ingestion and syncing processes. They're a lot, it's a lot more scalable, which is nice. Um, Mm, That was a good, yeah, big relief. I still get a few notifications from time to time just saying that, Hey, that request took a while. Um, But a lot, you know, we don't have these, moments on a friday afternoon where we're just getting like drowning in (laughs) in in you know batch work and and all that stuff so we we've done a a nice job there um that's good yeah yeah and it it took a lot longer to get that done than i hoped but um it is nice to see uh on the product side i'm just gonna mix manager and maker here uh yeah i think i did that as well i'm gonna shift into maker mode um i have started writing the backend code for what I'm called. Well, it's the expenses tab. So if you're a user of Summit and you go to expenses at the top, you notice there's basically the only thing in that screen is a, hey, we're working on building this um, notice and says, hey, we'd love your feedback. That, yeah. Yeah, so I've... I've be- I saw a lot of pl- Plaid-related tweets. Yeah, Plaid-related tweets because I'm just having fun working with Plaid's API. Um, it's just a nice, nice API to work with. I know that it has some issues as far as people needing to reconnect their accounts and whatever, but here's, here's why that doesn't really matter too much. And here's what I'm doing with it. So, um, people, uh, are obviously inundated with subscriptions these days in terms of things they've signed up for that are recurring expenses. 
And what I'm doing for V, let's say V1 of this expenses area of summit is, you know, we want to help you figure out your baseline recurring expenses. And we want to help you figure out your non-recurring, just sort of um, discretionary or, or contingency expenses. And so things like a, a flight or things you don't regularly do um, would be in that second bucket. But the main thing that I'm working on now is going through, you know, one or two years of, of transactional history um, through the Plaid API. Um, so it's all secure, but then figuring out, you know, what automatically figuring out which of your expenses are obviously on monthly recurring and which ones are annual recurring. Nice. Yeah. And then having a button where you can say, hey, Summit found, you know, these 23 expenses that appear to be recurring. You know, they vary ever so slightly and maybe even the names on the transactions vary ever so slightly. So it's kind of a pain to do uh, yourself, right? To like dig through and find all these things. And with these 23, you know, would you like to create events out of these 23 expenses in your Summit model? And we'll go ahead and load it with the appropriate amount. Maybe it's the you know rolling average of the last couple months, and we'll, yeah. we'll label it and we'll categorize it for you. And yeah, that's really helpful, right? Right. Yeah, that's the idea. It's like so we found is that it- hard to do? Like, is it hard for you to you know mm. see or like recognize them as the same? Like, if the amounts differ or if the yeah, it's kind of a, it's just different. a it's a fun little challenge. Um, I. Yeah, you have to do some fuzzy matching sometimes. Um, we'll see how much of that we need to do. But uh, I don't think it's going to be that hard to have like, you know, let's say 95% accuracy. and Which is much better than yeah, doing it yeah, from scratch. Yeah, totally better doing it from scratch. The idea you can click a button, click connect, auto find all these expenses, detect that they're recurring, and then click another button and have them load into your model space as events that are recurring you know, on the appropriate frequency, on the appropriate day of the month or month or day of the year so that your future expense forecasting is, you know, accurate um, mm. is really exciting. And, you know, it's not the same thing as budgeting and it's not the same thing as, you know, we're not trying to replace QuickBooks here, but the idea that you can have a tool, you know, that Summit can basically go in, vacuum this data, find the recurring patterns, and then put those into your forecast is what I'm trying to automate for people, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's a new frontier. Get, get some events in there, right? Yeah. And, and people want them to be events because they want to use them, you know, to model with and say, Hey, what if we got rid of this one? Or what if this one ended on this date or, you know, yeah. things like that. Or what if we could negotiate a discount and change the amount on just this bill? Yeah. Right? Or I think this is yeah. good proof that your pricing model is clever as well, because like, if maybe if your pricing model was different, like maybe you'd have to make this a paid feature, but it's a really awesome feature. So like in theory, like you want everyone to have it available. Yeah. But the thing is like, it actually pushes people towards being paying customers because when they have enough events, Mm -hmm. which is probably like, you know, on their journey towards being like successful within the product, like that's when they become paid. Yeah. And this just pushes them in that direction. Like, yeah, because it feeds their account with events yeah and they so they get like a, a premium feature for f- not basically for free right yeah yeah they do i mean the, so the the detection of your so linking your account even though that costs summit money so there's a cogs there for us for every connection i'm not going to charge for that 
But if they, and I'm not going to charge you to detect the recurring expenses. So if they just want to report of their recurring expenses, they can, they can have that for free as well. Um, and if they want to only import, say, the five most expensive expenses, <laughs> you know, they could just yeah. do that and still be within their free limit. But again, yeah. you're right. If you say, okay, yeah, I want to import all 10 of these, that might push you over the line or it might get you clo- It's going to get you closer. And, um, yeah. but that's great. It just makes your, just makes it more valuable. Right. Yeah. Um, worst case people could like batch them or something if they really want to like try to like save money or something. Yeah. Yeah. But the cool thing is, you know, you get your expenses into the modeling area in, as events. Yeah. And that's na- what you want. That's what you want. And now you can experiment. You can say, Hey, let's, let's keep these in the baseline scenario but let's clone all of these expenses and let's change all of the monthly ones. Let's change them to annual and let's take advantage of the 10% discount or the, or the 30% discount that we get by going to an annual subscription. And we know that's going to impact cash, but how much and will we be better off in the long run? And like you can now take what is otherwise this boring data set, this repeating data set mm. and manipulate it and say, yeah, how would we how could we be better off if we changed these expenses around um yeah you know or are there any worth canceling because wow you know that 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 one's more than i thought that's kind of the consumer use case for for a tool like this um so yeah so i'm really excited about this this is based on demand um i talked to some users and they were talking about how they spent significant amounts of time you know in their you know, logging into their banks, looking at their reports, building spreadsheets, basing this data, trying to find the recurring stuff. And, you know, if you have QuickBooks or whatever, that's that's fine. But it's not the yeah, same Yeah, I got this thing. from Bench when I set up Summit. I okay. just logged into Bench and, like, saw, like... Mm. I think I batched some of them because it was too... It took it was too complicated, yeah. Too, like... Yeah. Or not complicated, but, like, too cumbersome to, like... Yeah. Go through one of them at yeah. a time and put it into Summit. But, yeah. Yeah, this would be helpful. I'm sure you'll have a bench integration once they'll allow you. Yeah, and then so so it'll find the recurring expenses, and then the cool thing is I can also look at all the non-recurring, and I can look at the um, variability on that, and I can auto I can auto recommend an event that repeats every month that varies that captures the non-recurring expenses, right? That's really cool. Right, right. So you kind of sweep up all the non-recurring stuff. You say, yeah. you know, you don't always go out to eat. You don't always do this. None of these have a pattern, but they add up to about, you know, whatever, $800, $2,000, $25,000, depending on the scale of the business. You actually want an event that captures the non-recurring expenses because the non-recurring expenses recur, <laughs> just not as, just not as, uh, just not in any pattern, right? So you always yeah. end up having, you know, this percentage of your, of your revenue that is, or of your expenses that are um, variable. So that's another thing I can do. And so then all that combined, you end up getting a really good look at the stack of your expenses each month. It's and... going to be awkward when Summit, uh, you know, suggests you're like Tago habit as a recurring <laughs> expense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what is this one doing here? But that that's, um, <laughs> so that's exciting. I'm happy to be working on that. It just feels good because I've gotten a lot of, um, a lot of demand on this side of the house, you know, in terms of integrate QuickBooks, integrate Zero, integrate my expenses. Yeah. And QuickBooks is coming, Zero is coming. I don't think people, and maybe if you're listening to this podcast, it's it's funny. I don't. I, I, I'm understanding better now why people ask for a QuickBooks or Zero integration 
I don't think they understand the degree to which that is or isn't helpful, but it's fine. You know, we'll cross that bridge later. I, I, I think it's most helpful on the expenses side. Um, yeah. But the reality is I can just get this off the ground sooner. And that's, that's the idea. And what I'm setting up is I'm setting up a pattern of here's a data source. Let's integrate with it. Let's turn those interesting bits into events and let's load those events. Like that's the overall pattern I want to establish. Yeah. And you know, this is going to extend into uh, soon um, org chart software, right? So if you use org chart software or HR software to, you know, I, I the thing about QuickBooks or other data sources is they're going to have aggregate employee costs, but obviously employees are a huge factor in, in expenses. So we want to bring in the individual employees or individual teams. Um, that's going to be the next after this. So yeah, I'm excited. This is, this is, starting a new theme if you will of development and uh yeah it's kind of gonna it's, go on endlessly <laughs> it sounds like listening to this podcast that building a SaaS company today is just like integrating with like 25 mm. other SaaS companies so many yeah there's there's a lot to do so yeah those are um those are my updates uh that's awesome short and sweet. the org chart stuff is like yeah interesting to me because it's hard f- like you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard for me to see like you know, branch pay for an org chart software anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you start planning hires, you know, yeah. then you're yeah, effectively, yeah, yeah. effectively building that out somehow. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, these are cool. These are it's cool. Different things. So she's so serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um exciting. So that's it, man. Nice. I keep nice. Keep us under an hour here too. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't I didn't help. No man, you're 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 like moving mountains. That's exciting. Well, I just podcast all the time anyway, so I just don't stop talking, I guess. (laughs) Cool. uh, Yeah. So this is it. That's it. I can go back to (laughs) dreaming about provisioning. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to uh, mining recurring expense data. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All righty, man. Talk to you later. Awesome, man. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.